Hello, and welcome to the first ever mini-sode of You Owe Me an Apology, the newsletter slash the podcast. First of all, if you even clicked on this to listen to it with very little context for what is this, I just want to tell you thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your willingness to sort of suspend your disbelief and just get in. So if you don't know who this is, hello, my name is April. I am a TV writer who is currently on strike and I wanted to do a little project so that I don't lose it for good this time. And that is You Owe Me an Apology. If you want to know more about the newsletter piece, I will put a link in the show notes just to give you a little bit more background about what this is. And if you haven't yet, please go to apologize to me.com. Yes, I bought the domain. <laughs> it was worth every cent, babe. So go there to subscribe. You'll be getting the weekly newsletter that goes up every Wednesday, as well as all the extra written audio and video goodies that I'll be putting up there. And just a reminder that during the writer's strike, 50% of my proceeds from my paid subscriptions will be donated to the Entertainment Community Fund. And that's a fund for anybody in the industry that is affected by the strike, not just writers. It sucks that so many people have to be affected by the strike because there's so many absolutely greedy little monster at the at the helm of Hollywood and it makes me sick to my damn stomach. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. This mini-sodes theme is my pop culture glossary. April, what is that? What are you talking about? I'll tell you. So, as I continue to write more posts and make more podcasts and videos for you owe me an apology, I might reference different moments in pop culture throughout my work, and this is an opportunity for me to go through all of them and give you the context so that in the future, we're all on the same page. Keep in mind, this is an abbreviated list. I have absolutely millions of these moments that are just sort of constantly on a never-ending cycle playing in my mind. Um, But these are the ones that I do think I'll be referencing the most as they are sort of top of mind for me kind of at every moment and if you don't already know some of these pop culture moments honestly you owe me an apology first moment on the list that i will be including in my glossary is the iconic beyonce dismissing farah from destiny's child moment let's take a listen the last fight out of here? Yes, it You might have to go straight to the airport. Okay. I don't have no luggage. I'm, I'm rolling. But it's better for you to go home than not have luggage. No, it's not. It's not? Cause I, where y'all coming out there? Or somebody can send your luggage. Okay. Basically, they were doing this like MTV mini documentary about early Destiny's Child. And this is one of the moments where one of the multiple infamous Destiny's Child lineup shakeups was happening where it became clear that Farrah was no longer going to become part of the group and um, they're on their way to do another show and it's clear that Farrah is not included in that and um, Farrah says well you guys are just going to put me on a flight what about my luggage and we get Beyonce famously well somebody could send you your luggage I love that moment I love using that in the context of if somebody's sort of grasping for power, grasping for the sort of final moments of inclusion, I would say um, at this point, politically, Donald Trump, you know, somebody could send you your luggage, like you are on your way out. And if you're worried about it, don't worry, 
we'll definitely have somebody send you your luggage. You could say Harvey Weinstein, somebody could send you your luggage. Somebody who really has no more business here. And that is how I use it. And I adore this moment of true leadership on the part of Beyonce Knowles. Next, we are going to do the iconic Birdman on the Breakfast Club morning show. Let's take a listen. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. I'll drill y'all. Stop playing with my name. I ain't going to say it no more. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. He done cursed us out. I just come to let y'all know, stop Put some respect on my name. Y'all understand me? When y'all saying my name, put some respect on it. My favorite thing about this moment is Birdman absolutely choking back tears. <laughs> I think it's an incredible examination of masculinity. I think it's an incredible examination of hip-hop culture. The fact that he needed to like come in there and act like a thug when you know you're crying. So the context for this moment is that Charlemagne, the god, a famous um, iconic shit talker, was doing his thing and talking shit about Birdman. And Birdman had an interview scheduled and he came in and just demanded that Charlemagne put some respect on his name. And that is respect with a CK. So get it right. I use this constantly to sort of demand respect from the people around me. Um, the results definitely vary, but I always have a good time. Okay, next up is what I call... Quote, when everyone got really weird about DJ Earworm's United States of Pop 2009. I'll explain, but let's just listen. I remember where I was when this song came out. Basically, um, for the youngins in the chat, DJ Earworm would do this thing every year where he would put together all the hits of like the early 2000s like chart-topping songs and then edit it together as a way to like reflect on a year or something. <laughs> and when this one came out, I was in high school and I remember it made everybody so weirdly emotional. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my God, like so much has happened in 2009. Like it just made everybody instantly nostalgic. Okay, so how I would use this is basically anytime there's a pop culture phenomenon that I can tell we are going to regret in the near future, I'm going to say that we're DJ earworming. <laughs> and that just means we are doing something that right now in the moment feels sentimental and sweet. And in about 18 months, we're going to be like, what the hell was that? Why were we all crying listening to Fergie go people in the place? It does not make sense. Okay, so next on the list is an absolutely iconic moment that I talk about I want to say at least once a week in person with friends and that is uh that time that DJ Khaled got lost at sea let's take a listen it's so dark out here we don't know where the hell we at but the key is to make it the key is never give up it's not easy to win DJ Khaled is a fascinating figure in our culture, and I honestly thank God every day that I get to be alive at the same time as DJ Khaled. In this day that he tried to jet ski in the middle of the night in Miami, got lost at sea, and the Coast Guard had to literally pick him up and take him home, I was enthralled. I could not look away. He documented the whole thing on Snapchat, and again, I do thank God for that as well. And I think that anytime somebody is DJ Khaleding, they are 
purely just operating on a sense of a huge amount of of personal belief in self, whether or not that is earned. And, you know, we see cases of this every day, primarily in men in pop culture, just sort of calloting and just sort of, you know, maybe running for president when they shouldn't be running for president, um, maybe making huge grandiose claims. I think, you know, Kanye West has a history to callid. Obviously, again, Donald Trump can definitely be seen calloting and just sort of anyone who is on that jet ski lost at sea, but who perseveres anyway. Okay, next moment. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know how I'm going to be using this, but it's just something I think about a lot and I want you to think about it too. Okay. Is it world class? Yes. I don't know. What do you think? I, I never thought about it, Whoopi. Is the world flat? I never thought about it. You, you I, never I, thought about whether never, the world was no, because I, But I'll tell you what I've thought about, how I'm going to feed my child, well, you how I'm going to take care of my family. The world is the world flat has never entered into, uh-huh. like, it, that has not been. An- okay, so this is, of course, the time on The View when they were talking about whether or not the earth was flat. And Sherry Shepard said that she didn't have time to think about whether or not the earth was flat because she was too busy um, providing for her son. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do think about this all the time. I think that I would say someone is sherry shepherding when, you know, instead of just admitting that they don't know something, which I I observe in especially American culture, a lot of people are really reluctant to sort of just be like, you know what, I haven't thought about that or I don't know that. But you're sherry shepherding if instead of just saying, you know, I haven't, let me take some time, I haven't thought about that, or let me even do my own research, they think of a bullshit reason to excuse it and blame it on something that makes absolutely no sense. You know, that would be akin to saying, um, I've never thought about whether or not Santa Claus is white, but that is because I care about my country and my rights. It doesn't actually make sense. People who sort of proudly um, practice cognitive dissonance and then in the same breath try to get like cool points for it. Like she basically was like waiting for an applause break because she's a single mother. Uh, that is iconic to me. So yeah, she deserves to be on the list. She's a legend. What was that? Okay, next up is a clip from the show that's responsible for every millennial woman's terrible body image. That's right. It is America's Next Top Model. I don't know. I just don't think this is like right for me. I don't want to do it. I want to go home. Like I can't take the pressure of it. The woman who walked out that day on America's Next Top Model and said, you know what? I actually don't want to participate in this. She taught me what boundaries were. She's responsible for the woman that I am today. When I walk into a party and I look around and I see that everyone there is somebody that I'm actively avoiding, I turn around on my chubby little heel, I walk out and I say, you know what? I don't think this is great for me. I can't take the pressure of it. So I reference this constantly. And if you see it pop up in my work, I can't take the pressure of it. It's knowing your limits. It's saying, you know what? I can't be a part of this. I can't be a part of this moment, this experience, this cultural phenomenon. I actually just can't take the pressure of it and I'm bowing out. And I have so much respect for this queen. Okay, next clip is from Saturday Night Live and it's something that haunts me. So let's listen and then I'll, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. This clip is from um, a 2010 episode of SNL. Amy Poehler was the host. Katy Perry was the musical guest. And they did this digital short about a fake Oscar bait movie called Boogerman. 
The reason why this haunts me is because as somebody who pays really close attention to pop divas, vocalists, all of it, this is Katy Perry's most impressive vocal performance. And to use something that's literally called Booger Man as the opportunity to flex how talented you actually are, uh, I can't wrap my mind around it. Like, she didn't sing the way that she sang on Booger Man at the Super Bowl. And I do think there's something kind of iconic about that. It's the same way that certain artists will have bonus tracks on their albums, and you listen to the bonus tracks and you go, this is your bonus? Like, these are your, your cast-offs? What, what kind of... This person is so talented, they just flex on them for fun. If you listen to Booger Man in full, you might cry. I'm not kidding. Like, the vocal ability that she showed in Booger Man. So, all that to say, if someone's Booger Manning, that means they're just going off in a in an avenue where it's not even necessary. Like, you actually don't need to go that hard, and yet, for some reason, you are going that hard. There's so much respect in that, and, and there, it also is so confusing to me, just as a woman, and as somebody who just takes in media, I'm it, it confounds me, and I'm obsessed. All right, next up is um, perhaps the most iconic moment in YouTube history. Let's go. It's a small world pretending I was a UN interpreter. That is, of course, the time that Kelsey Grammer was talking on stage and fell off. And as he fell off, he goes, oh, good Lord. Uh, at work, you know, when I'm when I'm writing on a show, I'm constantly trying to sneak in reference to this. Usually the other showrunners will not let me, but I will continue to try. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And um, I will say that someone is sort of, oh, good lording when they just take such a hard nosedive, just, a, just an impossible literally physical fall something that is so shameful but also just a just a cultural fall like when someone does something that's so shockingly beneath them the way he moves through the world is he just demands so much respect and distinction to just literally fall off a stage like that <laughs> like it's just those are the moments that really get me there's something so human about that i just think it's like to oh good lord is to be human uh, the next one is, I would never call this moment underrated if you don't know this moment. Honestly, block me right now. You concerned about what's going on over here when you need to be worried about what's going on over there with that same makeup you've been running on the runway every uh, single time. Girl, look how orange you fucking look, girl. You're don't used to being with me. So obviously that iconic moment is from RuPaul's Drag Race between Coco and Alyssa Edwards about how orange Coco did look. Um, and I think about that all the time when it's just... A moment in culture where someone who is someone else's peer looks to them and says, listen, from me to you, just, you know, literally woman to woman, get a grip. Like, look how fucking orange you look, girl. You look orange. And I love those moments, like, just those moments when it's sort of like, to look orange is to be called in by your community. And I think that is so important. And I think at a time like this, culturally, you need to be telling the people in your community who are doing dirt that they look orange. And it's best coming from you because it's coming from someone in their community. It's coming from a peer. It's coming from someone who genuinely loves them and cares about them. But it's just a moment to sort of be called in and to get a grip and get some perspective. I mean, girl, look how fucking orange you look, girl. Like, that's it. Next clip. People in my life and in my family know that around about November 10th, I'm going to start playing this clip every single day just to get into the holiday mood. Let's do it. It's 
So I can see myself referencing where my background singers when I'm just talking about a moment in culture, in life, when things are going so haywire, when things that are usually so standard and so smooth are just for some reason completely chaotic, nothing is where it should be, down is up. You could say right now, you know, when it comes to the student loan crisis in the United States, you know, where are my background singers? Like, what are we talking about? We're going to start, you know, payments again and we're going to charge people interest. Like, no one's paying that. You could say the fact that, you know, people in the fat acceptance and body positivity movement did so much work to sort of change the beauty standard just for us to end right back in this, like, early 2000s thin Ozempic era. I just, I sometimes I look in the mirror and I think, where are my background singers? Like, how did we get here? What is going on? There's also a part in the clip where Patty goes, sweetie, the card, the card, because there's like a woman holding up uh, cards with the lyrics. And for some reason, she doesn't know the lyrics to the song she's singing. I do. I, th- I think about, you know, sweetie, the card, when I think about you go on TikTok and you see what I eat in a day videos. You're, you're seeing clean girl aesthetic videos where it's just literally I have a green juice. I put the gel in my hair. I put my gold hoops on. I'm weaponizing the art of Pilates. I'm I'm so focused on literally meeting the beauty standard that I don't have time for anything else in the day. How did we get here? Like, where are my background singers? You know, I just feel like that moment really, it helps me to understand and communicate how dumbfounded I often feel as a woman, as a human being, and just at the ultimate cyclical and sort of clownish nature of life. That's that. Okay, next moment up is from one of the most important Black women in pop culture history, and that is New York from Flavor of Love. I'm still house. I don't give a Do I look like I Because I don't. Because I don't. Do I look like I give a fuck? Because I don't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, New York is mother. And I do not say that lightly. I do not say that lightly. Um, but New York is mother. I think just for her strength, um, for her ingenuity, for her innovative spirit. And when I think about that moment, because um, I don't, you know, what's most notable to me is as strong as that moment is and as powerful as, you know, obviously Flav didn't pick her. This was the second time that Flav didn't pick her, which was complete bullshit. And she goes, you know, do I look like I give a fuck? Cause I don't this moment of strength. And yet seconds later, she's seen in the car on the way to the airport and she is crying her eyes out. So I think when I think of, cause I don't, which is how I would refer to this moment. I think of times when, you know, especially as a black woman, I do want to appear strong. I do want to feel like I have it all together. But the reality is, yeah, that shit hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? Something that immediately comes to mind is, you know, I was in high school when the movie Precious came out. And I'll just sort of pause um, for a moment of silence for that. So I was in high school when Precious came out. I was a chubby black girl. And if anybody would have asked me, you know, 
every single person on the news on any talk show is constantly making fun of Precious. Does that bother me? At the time, I would have said, do I look like I give a fuck? Because I don't. And then guess what? I would be in the limo afterwards crying my eyes out. Yeah, because it hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. And I'm hoping culturally, and this is something that I can definitely write about. I'm hoping culturally we will get to a time where we can re-examine the entire Precious experience from the premiere to the cultural response, the Monique of it all, the way that Gabrielle was treated, the way that other chubby black girls were treated. And we could just sort of reflect. And I could say, uh, I would also like maybe to be apologized to for the way that I was treated at that time. It was rough for us. And so I think that because I don't, it's just any moment that you really want to pretend like you have it together and people, especially celebrities I love when they do this, really like act like they're completely unaffected. And yet you're bawling your eyes out, you know, and, and vulnerability really is, it's beautiful and it's a lifeblood and shout out to Brene Brown. Okay. Last one. See you. I see you. We good. Okay. We good. I see. We see each other. We see each other. We good. So this moment is from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Of course, this is a reunion special many years ago. Nene and Candy are beefing and they agree that they see each other and they good. I use it all the time in conversation. And it's just a moment where two people who are on the complete opposite sides of an argument, it's basically an agree to disagree, but it's also an agree to stay enemies. And I love that. (laughs) I am not as much as I wish I could be that person of just like, I just want to rise above and like when they go high, like I'm not that girl. Let's stay enemies till we're lowered in the damn ground. And if you die first, I'll be front row at your funeral, bitch. We see each other. We good. So I could see myself using this often just to talk about any person that I proudly am beefing with and even who could be beefing back. You know, there's sort of there's something nice about how mutual this moment is and a a moment of recognition between two women who to this day, uh, I think, are actively preying on each other's downfall. And I think that's beautiful. That is it for now. I can definitely see myself doing a part two because There are a million moments that I constantly think about, reference, that stay with me and that I would love to stay with you too. Um, And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on this sort of open house of the inner recesses of my mind. And again, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe at apologize2me.com for newsletters every Wednesday, for content all the time. And follow me on Instagram. I um, am a lot of fun. I gotta say, <laughs> listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna front with y'all. I'm a damn delight. So thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.